Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
Good evening and welcome to Belly Up Fantasy Live. Of course, as always, joined by Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how's it going? Going pretty good, Adam. Have a little technology issues, as usual, for myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, just joining everybody from my tablet today, so I apologize. But really doing really good. I'm actually really tired. Um, we had a great <laughs> weekend. I think we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, went to the out to the Canton, Ohio for the Expo, Fantasy Football Expo that was. Got to rub, you know, elbows with some of the higher ups, uh, so to speak, and then also got to kind of get to see that they're real people, and it was a really cool experience. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't represent Belly Up Nation very well. Um, we played a football game, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Adam, if you want to jump in, because I, I don't yeah. want to bring up any bad memories of the trip. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We did uh, did not have great showings in the uh, the flag football tournament, nor did we have a good, a very good showing in the uh, cornhole tournament as well. Dan made it to the second round. I did not make it out of the first. Flag football, we did not make it out of the first. However, we did lose in the first round to the eventual champs, so I think that's got to count for something. Uh, we, and we made it all eight plays. It's not like they, they knocked us out quickly. So uh, I, I think we have something to hold on to, but we'll definitely be feeling that one up until next year. I'll have to come back a little stronger um yeah fantasy football expo was amazing seeing all the booths seeing all the people throughout the weekend um drafting draft night out was awesome definitely shout out to them was really cool drafting alive with uh, some really knowledgeable people um so definitely a great great weekend throughout definitely recommend anyone um interested go ahead and make the trip next year i believe um, we'll be learning dates for next year soon, but I think it's just the weekend after the Hall of Fame induction. Um, but yeah, super excited. It was really fun. Thank you, Bob Wong, for having such an outstanding event. I mean, that was just a tremendous thing. It's just grown over the years. My understanding started off as 75 people, actually four people at one point from what I heard, <laughs> uh, up to 75 and up to 500, I believe, was the number that kind of hit. And also, thank out, shout out for all the people who come came by on the expo on Sunday and kind of, you know, came through the booze. It wasn't just fantasy people there. It was also a lot of fans. So always know about next year you talked about coming down. Yeah, I think everybody's always welcome. And, you know, shout out to those who did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Bob Long again for putting on such a great, great event. Shout out to NBC Sports Edge for sponsoring it and all the other great sponsors that were able to come together and uh, make sure that we were able to have all of that room at the hotel. There were like four conference rooms um, for all the panels. We had like the entire basement. Um, a huge setup in the hotel bar. I mean, we had two different floors of the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Uh, we had free tickets to the Hall of Fame. Like, we got a lot of yeah, cool. Yeah, Adam, tell that we, we weren't just on the field. We weren't just in the stadium. We were on the field playing right. football. Right. I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, not to mention um, having access to it kind of after hours as well for that uh, little get together. So plenty of access to really cool places as well as access to all of the cool people that we got to meet throughout the weekend. So again, I can't speak any more highly of, uh, of the experience. Um, with that, we'll get into some NFL news before we hit a quick break and make it into um, our main topic for today, which is the best and worst backfields in the uh, NFL for fantasy this year. So the backfields that you might be wanting to avoid or might be able to go, okay, like these two backs can coexist together or at least one of these backs um, can at least provide you some value. Um, so we'll be going through all of that 
after the break. But first, again, some quick hits and news. First thing, Zach Wilson's surgery was successful. That's kind of what we've all been looking forward to today, uh, uh, Tuesday, 8-16. Yeah. (laughs) So his surgery successful. That timetable that was reported um, is at least looking like it'll be pretty close to accurate um, what what they believe the injury was or like what the guess was with the meniscus and the bone bruise is in fact what happened. So there were a lot of concerns that they were going to open him up and find out on the fly that it was actually an ACL um, or that, you know, it was something more severe. But it looks like uh, Zach Wilson has missed out on anything too, too severe. Um, Jordan Schultz reported that one of his sources said Joe Flacco was all but assured to be the week one starter. So I wouldn't expect Zach Wilson to start off the season, um, but we will see him, I think, sooner rather than later. Chris, what are your thoughts on all of that? Getting Zach Wilson again, probably not back for that Baltimore game, but probably not too uh, too far out after that. Well, you talked about some of the leagues that we got to do and one of the drafts we got to do while we were at the Expo, and one of those was uh, Super Draft and, uh, and Superflex, I should say, and the quarterback position, those who had Zach Wilson on their Superflex teams, which there's a lot of people coming to those later rounds, uh, are celebrating right now because they have you know been holding their breath probably not knowing what the hell they were going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think this is a great pressure, Brett. You know, great thing for a lot of the receivers involved. We're kind of we've been big on Elijah Moore for the last couple of years on the show, particularly Adam has been, and we you know have big things of hoping for him this year. We've heard good things come out of camp, so we want to kind of see Zach Wilson be in a position to succeed. Um, I wouldn't be too devastated as a fantasy football owner if he was to miss the first week against the Ravens, just saying. <laughs> um, it wouldn't hurt too bad that, you know, maybe you get him back and gets a little easier game. Um, but, yeah, I think overall it's just great news. I think that's one thing that we've all been worried about. You know, was there going to be something more than we kind of been hearing? Um, and I think that, you know, the best-case scenario kind of played itself out. Yeah, absolutely. Not a good matchup that week one with the Baltimore Ravens. That would have been a tough uh, start to the year, especially if they tried to force him back. So hopefully they will not. Um, our next little tidbit is that Antonio Gibson's little preseason run he's been on. Um, obviously fumbled in the preseason game, um, had some struggles there, started with the ones. After he fumbled, he got pushed back and ended up playing with some of the backups. He's had an interesting day of practice today. Uh, offensive coordinator Scott Turner said, you can't waste a possession. If you fumble the ball, that's a waste of a possession. The first job is to protect the ball. It's something that has to be fixed. So clearly he had an issue uh, with his fumbling and what he's been doing throughout camp. And even, you know, the last couple of years that he's been in the league, having some fumbling issues. Uh, he did work with the first team during install, but also worked some punt protection on special teams and worked with the second and third string during practice. It certainly feels like it's at least, um, you know, a warning to Antonio Gibson. Like, this is still your job, but we have much more of these, and it, it certainly feels like uh, it could be passed the other way. Chris, what are your thoughts there? I mean, this is a backfield we'll get more into, so we don't need to dive super into it right this second. But, I mean, what are your thoughts no. about playing him on special teams in practice, uh, you know, two weeks, two, three weeks before the season starts? Yeah, this is one of the exactly great, I think, a great premise for the show that we're going to be having today and kind of, you know, the things that you kind of are looking at and dissecting when you come into the backfields with the news, the news and notes are coming out 
what you saw in preseason. Uh, you mentioned the preseason fumble. You also saw him return back to that second team later on in the game. So there's a punishment there. It seems to be an ongoing punishment um, because this hasn't been an issue that's gone away for Antonio Gibson. He's been fumbling the uh, last couple of years. Um, and I'm not really sure, you know, if this tough love thing is going to work or not work. What I am sure of is it makes me, you know, more and more definite feeling that I am not taking Antonio Gibson on my fantasy team unless he's, you know, just falls into my lap and unbelievable value. This guy seems like the days are kind of you know, numbered in Washington. Um, they don't have a lot vested in him after this point. And we kind of saw, you know, uh, a lot of people who did well last year in fantasy football were Leonard Fournette owners. And the big part of that was because uh, week one, Ronald Jones fumbled the ball, and therefore it became the you know Lenny show from the, that point on. Um, I think that, you know, we talked about the in Washington backfield, we're getting more in-depth about it, but we know it's going to kind of be a committee. That's what Ron Rivera has been kind of hyping up. Suddenly that trio can turn into a duo real quick if you continue to put the ball on the ground. And you know, I think Antonio Gibson's kind of going to is being served notice. I mean, aside from just being a bad runner, the two things that most people don't necessarily always realize can really kill a running back is if you've got fumbling issues or if you've got issues in pass production. Like to be fantasy productive, like obviously, yes, you need to be that flashy receiver. You need to be that good runner. I, but I think those are the things that we can all see. Like everyone can kind of figure those things out. Um, but it's the guys that you need to be, again, good at pass protecting. You need to be able to hold on to the ball. You struggle with those two things. You can be good at the, you can be explosive, and it really just doesn't matter. You will get taken off the field. Um, I'm, real, I'm real quick, quick. Uh, for dynasty wise, if you're an, you know, Antonio Gibson owner, what are you doing right now? Are you just like, you know, panicking or are you holding on? Don't, you know, sell low? What was kind of reaction in dynasty leagues? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of owners like that out there. Yeah. I, I almost think that you have to kind of hold at the current situation just because it feels like his value is, is plummeting right now. And it still feels like unless he fumbles again throughout this preseason, that he will start off the season at the very least your RB one. So I would just hope, and, you know, kind of hold on and see if the first couple of weeks he can recoup some value. I'd be looking to get off of him as soon as I can personally, because I do not believe in him in the long term, long term. But I mean, he's dropped quite a bit. Talk about the last 10 days or so. So to at least just recoup some of that. I know in, in redraft, I think he's gone down almost like a round or two. You're starting to see him available, you know, fifth, sixth round in certain instances. Um, so things are getting interesting there. At that point, it's kind of hard to want to trade him away for that type of value. Uh, so to me, I, I think I'd want to hold and see if you can get him back to where he was coming into this offseason, or at least, you know, where he was three weeks a month ago. Well, one more question on regards to that is, you know, you talked about you don't, you're not really buying his long-term future. And I tend to agree. But do you think there's a possibility he can reinvent himself somewhere as not just a, you know being a running back, which I think was always questionable, a transition, but more of the offensive weapon, we kind of saw like Debo Samuel, for example, glorify. But a guy who can kind of catch the ball, a guy who can maybe hand the ball once in a while, but you're not depending on him to kind of be your bell cow or your main running back that you worry about the fumble so much. I certainly think you could, but I just don't think he's as efficient as a runner as those other guys are. Um, certainly not Debo. Now, maybe he could be a, a comparison for a Cordero Patterson um, I'd, I'd certainly say he could probably figure something like that out, but I don't know. There's only so many offenses that you can kind of pencil in that type of role for. I certainly wouldn't rule it out, but 
Is it something that I'm going to hold on and hope for? I mean, I'm just not betting on it personally. Um, So our next piece of news, which is we have a little piece of breaking news attached to it that I don't have down in my show notes. But I had uh, written down that Drew Locke is finally working with the ones this week, meaning the gap between him and Geno Smith is at least tightening. There's no decision as of now in that quarterback battle. But as of, uh, gosh, it was a few minutes before the show, about 25 minutes ago, Ian Rappaport tweeted, that Drew Locke, who was slated to start this preseason game, tested positive for COVID and will now miss Thursday night's game versus the Bears. This was a key opportunity for him to take this starting job. Uh, Chris, do you think that this, you know, it gives a major leg up in this quarterback competition? Geno Smith, right? The game that he's poised to be a starter for to get his reps with the one public, the ones publicly, he, he's now no longer going to have. That's, I mean, that's big. I think that's huge. I mean, look, we know guys aren't really playing all the preseason games as it is, and we're not really sure what games, you know, coaches are going to play them and not play them. But typically, as you get closer to the third or fourth game, coaches usually aren't playing some of their guys anymore or key starters. So Drew Locke missed a game where he basically would be out there with the starters, kind of show what he could do with the reps, um, take first team reps all week long as well, which I think is huge. Now you kind of go into next week, if Geno Smith shows out or you're kind of, you know, even if you do great in practice, it's still practice. What can you really do on the field? You really haven't had a chance to really prove yourself. He had a good momentum kind of going, building up. He's getting a lot of, you know, hype in the sense coming out of the um, different beat writers that he's looking good. He looks better than Gino on the field in practice. It's just only a matter of time that he should be able to take the job. So I do think this is huge. Um, I think this is also Gino's job in the sense that he hasn't made any major mistakes to kind of cost himself. So, therefore, there's no really thing for Drew Locke to kind of show that he shines above Geno in this situation. And I think it's really going to hurt us, you know, in moving forward this year. Another key thing to this that uh, I haven't seen anywhere, to my knowledge, there's only two QBs on this roster. That would pencil in either they A. Have Tony they do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have Eason. Um, but Geno would probably play uh, a decent amount of reps as well with this, uh, in- unless you think Eason – plays three quarters or something but I, mean, it, I think he definitely could you saw the Dolphins scholar Thompson play the entire game for them uh yeah. for the Rams Perkins played the majority of the game I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience Fred is known in the UK for three things customer service bonuses and delivering the best overall experience to players need more Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but if Gino was able to get a lot of quality snaps as well, um, he could certainly widen the gap as much as Drew Locke is falling behind. Um, but... Again, not the most. It'd be a great time to give Colin Kaepernick a phone call. Just saying. 
<laughs> you're you are not wrong but until that happens this is not the most fantasy relevant quarterback competition in the world um because i mean let's face it the difference for a, a dk and tyler is marginal um <laughs> whichever it is um finally our last piece here matthew stafford was a full participant with the first team in today's practice sean mcveigh said that they were going to ramp him up this week, said that uh, Stafford's uh, first day kind of being fully uh, back, full, a full participant, no longer worrying about that shoulder. Uh, he said he looked pretty good. So, Chris, how, how does that make you feel if you were someone who over the, the last couple months maybe drafted some Stafford like I have? <laughs> well, hopefully it's just being reassuring. I've been telling you all along, I really wasn't worried. This is something he was dealing with last year. Um, there was something I'm actually encouraged by them trying to monitor and limit him in the beginning of the year. I hope that it doesn't kind of flare up throughout the season. I do think there was points in the season where you saw Stafford kind of struggling, particularly with, you know, some of the long ball and some of his interceptions that kind of resulted in that. And I wonder if they were kind of correlating. Um, having said all that, this is typically a baseball injury. It's more of a pain management thing. One thing I don't question is Matthew Stafford's toughness and his willingness that this guy's got a, a rocket of an arm. So as long as he continues to be able to fling the ball over the field, I have no worries. I just think it's kind of reassuring to know, like, hey, look, he's doing what he's expected to do. They kind of told you this all along the way. Rams are pretty good about being transparent when it comes to injuries overall. So I do appreciate, you know, that. And I kind of think that's just kind of things people need to kind of watch. Everybody was overreacting to fantasy a lot of times. Like, oh, my God, what happened to this guy or what's going to happen? Um, they kept reassuring you it wasn't a big deal. They were trying to reassure you that it was maintenance. And as we see, it's so far, so far, so far, so good. What, what I will say, my experience last week or last season, um, just to remind people, Sean McVay is the most honest coach <laughs> in this league. Um, if you'll remember, Robert Woods started off maybe the first two or three games not doing very well. Sean McVay said, this week we're getting Robert Woods involved. Sure enough, Robert Woods had like nine targets that next week. A couple weeks later he goes, this week, we're getting Deshaun Jackson involved. That same game, Deshaun Jackson has like a 60-yard touchdown reception. Sean McVay is very honest about everything that he says. I'm For a lot of coaches, I'll do the coach speak thing. But for him, I'm inclined to believe what he says. <laughs> I definitely agree. Um, but at any rate, so that's it for news. Um, we're going to take a look at what Dan has to say about our fantastic sponsor, Manscaped. On the other side, we'll be talking about our favorite and least favorite backfields in fantasy football for 2022. Fellas, the fantasy football draft season is right around the corner. CD Lamb is good, but have you seen these beautiful balls? It's time to get your snake looking right for this snake draft with sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have created a championship lineup with a performance package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. 
Tom Brady didn't come out of retirement for you to have hairy balls. So slot it at the quarterback and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BillyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BillyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com. It's time to put the PP back in a PPR league. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. We're going to get in to the main topic of today's show. But before we do that, we do have an additional piece of news that's kind of come in uh, like right before the show. Uh, the Seahawks are just getting hammered today. Uh, so Kenneth Walker uh, has a hernia. Um, so that's just something to monitor, especially those are Pete Carroll's words uh, as um Dan, whose tweet is what I saw, as Dan tweeted, Pete Carroll has always been one to underplay injuries. So a hernia is already one where you're looking at about a couple weeks to a month. Um, if, you know, if this is a typical Carroll underplay, things could get really interesting. Rashad Penny also returned to practice today, I believe. So something to monitor there. Absolutely. Chris, do you have any any thoughts yeah, I think that's gigantic. I mean, one of the things that Walker relies on is his speed and his quickness. Having any kind of hernia can definitely be lingering. It can cause other issues in the groin area. So I think this is something definitely to be monitoring and being you know, concerned about. Um, it definitely is going to boom Rashad Penny, I think, value in the sense that he's returned. You're always looking at you know somebody else because this guy isn't the most um, durable player over the last few years, especially during you know over the last three years. Um, I think Rashad Penny might be looking at DJ Dallas, who had a nice game in preseason. You might be looking at some of the other guys to see is there somebody in that backfield that you know you want to kind of grab maybe in the later later rounds, or you know if you're in a dynasty league, you're keeping your eye on now because there's some different situations I think that can occur with this. I mean, if it becomes two months, three months, all of a sudden it's a rookie, a guy has to kind of ease back into the offense. We've seen this before, as you kind of mentioned. You need to do a path protection, you need to be able to do other little things sometimes to get on the field can kind of put you behind the eight ball and I, I would definitely be concerned yeah absolutely uh a tough one there so his specific wording was he is dealing with a hernia issue <laughs> i he said he, they don't know what it means yet uh specifically uh but that's the synopsis from pete carroll well, who all, continue yeah what were you gonna say i was gonna say there is different degrees of hernia so there is mm-hmm. a possibility that it might just be you know on the verge of becoming something serious that they can address now and maybe nip it and it becomes a quick, you know, fix. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to necessarily panic belly right. but it is something just that something to monitor. monitor. Right. Yeah. To mo- at this point, it's just something to monitor. The other thing uh, that Pete Carroll mentioned in this press conference is definitely a, li- a little interesting. So he was asked who's leading the quarterback competition. He says, I don't even have to say that Gino's still the number one guy. He's holding that spot at this point. So firmly saying that Gino is is the guy uh, in front at this point, especially with Drew Locke being behind, I would wager to say that it feels feels a lot like Gino would be the week one guy. Yeah, as I kind of alluded to, I think Drew Locke had to overly impress in the sense to get the starting job. I think Gino was given a position that when he resigned, from my understand, that he would be able to kind of compete for that starting job and it would be his in a sense to lose. The guy's shown that he was you know, a turnover guy. Uh, you know that Pete Carroll likes to kind of keep the ball. We talked about, you know, Washington concerned about, you know, Scott Turner's comment about losing possessions. I think you're going to see Seattle maximizing that in the best way they can. 
um, especially early on. So I think Drew Locke, while he looked great in practice, from what I understand, you know, you you wanted to see that wow thing out of him to kind of solidify that I have to be the starter. I think he kind of had a chance to show that. I think that's where Fortino has been the starter. And, and Pete Carroll's kind of said that pretty much the whole time, that, you know, he's our guy until he shows otherwise. Absolutely. You mentioned Scott Turner there. We're going to get back to Washington. They're the first backfield we're going to look at. So that's uh, our, our main three guys here are J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson, and, of course, Antonio Gibson, who's dealing with his own issues, um, again, throughout the weekend that we mentioned earlier in the show. So kind of break down this backfield for me. What are the roles you expect them to have? And is there any fantasy value that you're you're seeing in the uh, between the three guys? Yeah, so for me, I think it's a pretty clear cut that J.D. McKissick is going to be the third down pass catching back. You're going to probably see him in the two-minute and four-minute offenses. When they fall behind, you know, double digits, he'll probably be out there predominantly. Um, I think that when you look at Brian Robinson, he's already identified as kind of that smash mouth guy, that guy who's going to probably get a lot of the red zone opportunities. The guy who's going to probably be the short yardage guy. But I think that he might be expanding that role as we kind of alluded to the kickoff of the show that because Gibson's really struggling with his role where I think he was kind of that middle guy. Uh, back in the day, the Saints was a similar backfield I used to see this with. Well, they had a Mike Bell, uh, a Pierre Thomas, and Darren Sproles. Um, Sproles was the you know, clear pass catcher. You see that with McKissick. Here, Thomas was kind of that guy who could do a little bit of either. Um, the guy could be a pass catcher or maybe run the ball. I think that was supposed to be Gibson's role. And then you saw the kind of, you know, that bigger smash mouth guy, the kind of physical back of Mike Bell that kind of, you know, gets the short yardage stuff. And I think that you were going to see kind of something similar unfold. Um, now, I think that, you know, you're going to see probably a lot more Robinson in the early downs. I think he's got a path to become that early down first two down banger. I don't see that he's going to probably play a lot on third downs, but I will preface and say he is good in pass protection. Um, not, you know, the smoothest pass catcher in the world, but sometimes you have guys out there. You see Dallas do that a lot with Zeke. You know, people always want Pollard on the field, but a lot of times Zeke's out there because he can pass protect. And Washington's offensive line isn't great. Carson Wentz doesn't do great when there's pressure. So those two things kind of keep in mind. So I think Brian Robinson right now is a steal to kind of get your hands on. I think his value is going to go nothing but up moving forward. Um, and I think J.D. McKissick is probably the safest guy to own right now because I don't think Washington is going to be all that great. Um, I don't know how great their offensive line is going to be to open up holes, but one thing I am pretty sure of is that McKissick is going to catch the ball out of the backfield. I know people are concerned about Carson Wentz and, you know, the narrative that he doesn't check the ball down. I kind of mentioned this on our, our car ride out to the date, um, you know, <clears throat> to the expo, that, you know, Boston Scott's in the league for a reason. We know who Boston Scott is because – Carson Wentz threw the ball to him a lot out of the backfield when he was in Philadelphia. Um, you know, it's not something he can't do. Maybe he didn't do it a lot last year, but that's also kind of what the Colts offense was built last year to kind of do. So I think this offense is very different. Um, you saw McKissick be involved early on in that first team preseason game, with, with the first team, I should say, in the preseason game. Had a nice catch for like about 17 yards. I think you can expect him to be the safest guy, especially in full point PPR. Yeah, I, I would have to agree wholeheartedly. With all of those things, Brian Robinson was certainly someone who I valued um, when he was coming into the league, especially for Dynasty. For Dynasty, I believe he was my my RB4 coming into the league. So certainly someone um, that has some talent, now has a pathway, a clear pathway in a backfield that admittedly, when he landed here, it was hard to get excited. But uh, again... Now that that pathway is kind of opened up, he's certainly someone that could take advantage rather quickly. Um, 
But do you have anything else in this backfield before we go um, over to let's go to Carson Wentz's other <laughs> other uh, former team in Philadelphia? Yeah, I think that's his backfield's kind of you know concerning just as much. Miles Sanders, I think, you know, is kind of that Antonio Gibson where is he really the coaching staff behind him? Do they really want to utilize him? How are they going to utilize him? Um, I love what I saw Miles Sanders running the ball last year. He you know, averaged five yards per carry. He complimented Jalen Hurts really well. He just didn't get the ball very much, particularly in the red zone. Um, yeah. Then you hear this role about Kenneth Gainwell being involved, you know, early on. Will he be the Naheem Hines role? Will that kind of be – will be the third down back? The one thing that scares me coming out of camp is that Miles Sanders seems to be struggling where he used to be known as kind of a pass catcher, particularly coming into the league. Um, he is really fighting the ball and struggling with making you know, simple catches. And therefore we know this coaching staff isn't, you know, kind of isn't looking for guys to make mistakes in a sense. And we, you know, Gibson's a similar experience where if you're not you know, helping, then you're hurting. I think Miles Sanders, you know, might be playing himself out of any pass catching situations, which I think is something he could definitely do very well. He was given the opportunity again to do so, and therefore becomes an early down back. Um, we saw that role for him last year. It's a role that can be very concerning, I think, because you just don't really know, is he going to get the utilization? Is Jalen Hurts going to vulture him in the red zone too often? I personally am buying Miles Sanders low because I think where his ADP is, he's got good value. You have a lot of other guys have similar questions. So I am a Miles Sanders investor right now, but I also understand that you know people don't, I wouldn't advise going too high or, you know, reaching on him in any capacity. I think that you want to make sure you're getting value, but a guy who can, you know, be something because as we saw last year, he was very efficient and very productive. Um, and Jalen Hurts isn't going anywhere. So as long as you got that mobile running back, I'm always a big proponent of having their back out of that backfield. Yeah. I mean that, that there is kind of the key difference between Antonio Gibson and Miles Sanders is that they're both getting kind of forced into this role uh, just by these receiving backs. But the difference being, Miles Sanders is an incredibly, incredibly efficient runner. Um, you know, he, he didn't get into the end zone last year. That's kind of the concerning bit. We certainly need him to get some touchdowns because just, you know, the 750 yards, yes, he was incredibly efficient running the ball, but that's not uh, super, super helpful if you're not getting in the end zone. But it's a lot more understandable for someone like him to break off a couple runs and get in the end zone than Antonio Gibson, um, who's a less a less efficient runner, as well as being fumble-prone. Uh, Miles Sanders on 137 carries last year only had one fumble. Certainly uh, back in 2020 had a couple issues with it, but last year he wasn't that bad. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little bit more high on a Miles Sanders type than I would be an Antonio Gibson for that reason. I just think he's he's a, a little bit safer. Uh, he's um, not buying, completely getting phased out. Are you buying Kenneth Gainwell, or what, what's your viewpoint on the, on the news coming out? He's getting more and more involved in this offense. I don't know, because I feel like that happened at, at spurts last year, and then he got, for whatever reason, uh, you know, supplanted by other receiving backs. That's not like the receiving back role was was phased out it was just taken away from him um so that gives me some pause uh i I don't know it it also i kind of struggle with in general uh getting the receiving back for some of these running quarterbacks especially one like a jalen hurts who isn't always looking to pass anyways it's different for someone uh like a russell wilson or a lamar who is a 
either pass first or, you know, just kind of depends on the situation. But Hertz is a lot of looking to run, um, which kind of scares me when it comes to someone like him. Well, you know, there's going to probably be somebody who does get this short yardage, quote unquote, opportunity to be that red zone running back. You know, will it be Sanders? What do you think about Boston Scott? I kind of mentioned him, and you know, kind of facetiously, but he is still in that backfield as my uh, my co-host. Well, and he did he did take it last year a little bit. Yeah, well, Boston Scott was utilized in the red zone a lot, I mean, as he kind of pointed out last year, and it's something a rule that he's been kind of you know had different coaches utilize him in. So, is Boston Scott like a sneaky guy to kind of keep your eye on, or are you kind of just avoiding this backfield other than Miles Sanders? He is a sneaky one. I just don't know that he would get the the volume uh, that you would necessarily require. But as far as like a, a last pick, you know, just kind of end your draft with, I don't mind it at all because if you were to to just take the most valuable touches in the game, and you only got a couple of them, but you're getting the the goal line looks, the red zone looks, you're getting some receptions. You take that receiving roll back from Kenneth Gainwell again. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It's an interesting situation you find yourself with where you're getting only 10 touches, but they're all valuable. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I certainly don't hate it. There's upside there. Yeah, and I just want to, you know, I don't disagree. And I also think that's a kind of, kind of, you know, guy to keep in your mind as probably the, the handcuff for Miles Sanders. Not that you're necessarily going out to get a handcuff for Miles Sanders, but there are some right. deeper leagues out there. And, you know, don't think Kenneth Gainwell is going to be that guy. I don't think you disagree with that. No, I, I certainly don't. Uh, expect Kenneth Gainwell to start taking a significant amount of carries. Um, that's not something that I find to be particularly likely. Let's uh, kind of wash our mouths from these not as good backfields. Talk about one where we can, I think at least, and I, I assume that you agree, I think that both of these guys can definitely coexist, especially given how this offseason has gone. Uh, and that's the Green Bay backfield with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Uh, what do you think about this backfield? I mean, we saw last year uh, Aaron Jones be really good, especially in those games where Devontae Adams was absent. He was a target hog. Um, so he that's what makes things a lot more interesting. I think it would be a little scary otherwise, uh, just given how many, uh, how much AJ Dillon was starting to vulture carries at the end of the year, but if Aaron Jones is able to continue to be again like a target hog, a PPR machine, you can, I think you can absolutely see both of these guys um, have value. And you weren't seeing Aaron Jones necessarily taken off the field either. You were just adding <laughs> an AJ Dillon. Uh, so I don't know. What's your thought process with this backfield, Chris? I 100% agree with you, Adam. Aaron Jones, to me, is an RB1 this year, and I don't have a lot of questions. I know that he's, that's not where his ADP is, and I'm kind of curious why. To your point, he's excelled when Devontae Adams hasn't been in there. He excels as a pass catcher. This offense isn't necessarily going to feature just one guy, but nor does it have to. They can definitely feed multiple guys. We've seen other teams do this previous. Uh, Saints jumped to mind, for example, Alan Kamara and Mark Ingram. We both eat 
no problem. Um, I think Aaron Jones kind of fills that more of that Alvin Kamara role, as you kind of, you know, are alluding to. He's going to be a good pass catcher. He's going to be a weapon, one of the better weapons, and a weapon that Aaron Rodgers knows and trusts. Um, I think that's vital and important. So I think Aaron Jones, to me, is one of the safer guys you can have on your team this year. And A.J. Dillon's a guy that you can have both of them, and you should be actually targeting A.J. Dillon. I'm surprised his ADP is still kind of low in my book, a guy that I think was highly effective, as you kind of pointed out. You know, it was almost a threat in some senses to Aaron Jones's job. And the notion that the guy can't catch the ball has kind of gone out the window. Had 34, uh, 34 receptions on 37 targets. Uh, so now you got to put him on your PPR radar as well. So I think A.J. Dillon is a guy that has, you know, is on the upside, a guy that you definitely don't want to tackle as the season progresses. Um, you'll hear me talk about this, you know, some strategies sometimes. And one of the things I always encourage when draft time comes is, or even during your ads and, you know, waiver wire, um, is adding a bigger back, a guy who's physical, or having that guy on your team as the season kind of progresses. Number one, teams wear down. They don't like tackling big guys. Number two, seasons change, as we all know. It gets colder. So a lot of times those bigger guys, you start seeing having, you know, bigger games and start becoming uh, – Derrick Henry has a lot of breakouts during that time frame, for example. He may start off slow, but all of a sudden once the weather changes, oh, Derrick Henry's a pain in the butt to tackle. Um, so A.J. Dillon, to me, playing Green Bay, playing in Chicago, playing in these different elements, a guy that's got, you know, tree trunk legs, I think that's a, a guy that you want to have coming into your playoff run. So AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are both guys I'm getting my hands on if I can. Yeah, I mean, to your point, uh, back in 2019, you saw both Kamara and Mark Ingram be top 15 backs uh, when there really wasn't. Uh, it was just essentially Michael Thomas and those two guys, and those were the offensive weapons on uh, the, the Saints. That projects to me very similar to what we see in Green Bay right now. I don't think it's that out of the question. You could see top 20, top 15 finishes from both of these backs, and both of these guys would be values if that was to be the case. And that was in PPR. Mark Ingram was was up there. Um, so certainly, again, something to look at. Uh, I, I, again, really like both of these backs. Agree with everything you said there. I just you know, think it's really interesting because that's a pretty recent example where you got, again, two backs from the same backfield be some really good value players. Um, so I, I think we kind of covered Green Bay. So we can move on to Houston. This is another one that's really fascinating. Uh, so Damian Pierce uh, had a pretty good, I'll admit, he had a really good preseason game um, <laughs> this past week, a couple receptions. But the big thing is he had five carries for, I want to say like 49, 50 yards, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, he broke off a nice 20 yard or so. Uh, so Chris, I know you weren't high on him coming into this draft, but has the hype over the last, uh, you know, through training camp, through some of these joint practices and now making it into the preseason stage. Does that kind of have changed how you're thinking about this situation where at least on the preseason field, he outperformed some of these veteran guys. Uh, does that give you any, look at the the Texans running backs? I don't necessarily think that what I saw in preseason is going to change my mind per se. He did have his first carry, nice 20-yard run. Um, it did show good bursts, and I will give him that. That was something that I thought that people kind of just gave him. Uh, I hadn't really seen that in Florida as much as people saw and assumed. I know that he was very efficient, but I also think, think he wasn't doing anything spectacular. It jumped off you know, the video to me. Um, having said that, we know Rex Burkhead's about, you know, 95 years old, probably the most talented guy in the world, um, doesn't really have a future, you would think, 
um, for Houston moving forward too much. Um, the guy that I was hopeful for is Marlon Mack. I haven't really heard good or bad out of it, which could be concerning because you'd rather hear that Marlon Mack's you know, looking great, looking fast, looking, you know, explosive. But all you kind of hear is the hype from Damian Pierce. Um, I do think Lovey Smith coaching staffs and, you know, or, or teams, I should say, and I am curious to see kind of Peppa Hamilton's reaction. But typically they play veteran guys in the beginning. We saw that kind of even last year where the veteran guys got the opportunity first. There was a lot of hype about some of their back, you know, younger guys that they wanted to give a chance. People thought should get a chance throughout the season. But you kept seeing those veteran guys throughout the season over and over again. David Johnson went away, but then there was Rex Burkhead. So it was never really kind of turned over to the young guys. I'm curious to see, you know, can Pierce pass protect? Can he do all the things you kind of alluded to that get you on the field, not just, you know, nice running? I was a lot of running backs who are explosive in the run, but the other little things can keep you off the field. Um, I think that might be partly why he didn't play a lot in Florida all the time. So I am curious to see if that's going to be something that's going to come out more. Um, but I do say that, you know, it definitely piqued my curiosity a lot more. I, I can't close my eyes to the Texans offense while I want to. I do mm-hmm. think that they made improvements to their offensive line. I'm a huge Green fan. I think that was an you know, outstanding draft pick by them. He's going to pay off, I think, big time. Um, and I think that, you know, having both the tackles coming back are going to be a nice you know thing for them. I hate Davis Mills, though, and I'm not really big a fan of most offense in general. So I'm, you know, looking at Pierce, but I'm not necessarily buying the hype quite yet where people are probably overspending on him. I'm going to kind of wait to see if there's good value. I'll take him, but I'm not going to encourage you to, you know, now you got to get your hands on Damian Pierce. All right. I think that's a pretty level-headed take. I do – I find it really interesting just kind of how this backfield has, has situated itself um, – just because I don't know how valuable, even if he does get a big role, I just don't know how valuable that role is going to be because I think he projects to be that first, second down guy, and he projects to be that goal line guy. But if that offense sucks, how much does that really matter? The only back that's going to matter is your third down guy. That's still likely Rex Burkhead. If if Damian Pierce starts you know, doing well catching out of the backfield, um, then maybe I'll, I'll change my tune. And I still... That's not to say I have Damian Pierce in a couple dynasty leagues where I drafted him in the rookie draft, third, fourth round. That's where I felt like value made sense. But where he's starting to go in some redraft leagues or some current startups and things like that, uh, it's getting out of hand a little bit. (laughs) But we'll see. I could totally be wrong, and I think he's a talented guy, definitely a good runner. Um, We'll just need to see, like, like you said, those little things. Can he do them well? He definitely has the frame to pass or protect, but he doesn't, does he have, you know, the experience of doing it a lot? Um, that's where, where those reps are going to need to happen. Why a veteran could still uh, reign supreme at least week one. I do think we'll see him um, kind of take over this backfield some point this season, but whether or not, again, that role is super valuable uh, remains to be seen. We saw Mark Ingram who granted is older now, older for a running back. We saw Mark Ingram have some games where he was, 20 carries, getting plenty of volume, but they didn't amount to anything. He was getting 60 yards, and since he didn't, if he didn't get into the red zone, you weren't getting anything out of him. And this isn't a team that's going to have a lot of positive game scripts anyways. Well, Adam, I'll give you a comparison that jumps to mind for me when I look at him and where I kind of think that maybe he has some value but also can just screw you as well. Taysom Williams for the Baltimore Ravens last year kind of burst onto the scene, ran really well and then disappear because of the veterans, as you kind of you know, talking about, sort of playing over. 
I think this is a similar situation where I think Pierce is going to have his opportunity to flash because I think he's the more talented guy. And I will go, you know, I'm going to kind of double down on my 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 scouting report on Green, where I, I do think he's our, he's going to be worth extra yard per carry for this offense. I'll, I'll venture to say that. Um, but I think that still could make it, you know, 20 carries for 40 yards and 20 carries for 60 yards still isn't great value. But if now you're starting to sniff around a little bit more. So I do see some of the pathway to Pierce having some value. I just think that a lot of times people, you know, get caught up in rookie hype, and this guy has a lot of hype coming into this draft. So I don't want people buying too high because I think that's what you're kind of risking. Where as you're kind of alluding to, it's not a guarantee you're getting anything. This is Houston. Don't forget, guys. And then on top of it, a guy who you know never has shown you he's been a bell cow throughout his career yet. So you can't just assume he's going to go in there and all of a sudden be the stud. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the point here. Is this is someone to monitor. This is someone, if he falls into your lap, absolutely feel good about taking him. But know that this is a calculated risk with someone like him. He is not a sure thing. He is not someone that you should be reaching for, not someone you should be overspending for. Um, you know, at the right value, he is someone with upside that you can go ahead and take. He, he can help you out, but, you know, don't have too high of expectations for Damian Pierce, I guess is the point. You brought up um, some rookie hype, and this is a guy who I had, or this is a situation I had for a little bit later in the show. Um, but let, let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco and the Chiefs now. I think we're kind of in a similar enough topic. Real quick, quick before we move on, Adam, do you buy anybody else in that Houston backfield? Are you touching Rex Burkhead? Or are you touching, you know, a Marlon Mack? In a in a deep league, I'm I have unfortunately. Uh, Rex Burkhead interest we're talking more of like what you're gonna see of like dynasty where you've got a 20 person bench like that type of like okay my roster is 25 people like that's where it's like if Rex Burkhead gets the receiving role and they do have a lot of negative game scripts you can kind of see that pathway to him having some at least flex value uh the pathway exists if you can get him for basically free and you should be able to in normal people leagues um, I, I don't hate it. There's less valuable things you're going to find in the waiver wire for sure. Um, but again, let's talk about the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco, our Rutgers guy, we've heard a lot from Dan about uh, Pacheco uh, over the weekend. So what, what's your take of this backfield? Is this a situation um, where – two-folded question here, I guess, uh, that I want your answer to. One – can someone like Isaiah Pacheco kick Ronald Jones out of this roster entirely? And if he can, does being the RB two here, like, is that still is that something that has um, a- enough value for you to grab him where he's starting to go? Because again, this is another guy. This is why I brought him up kind of in tandem with Damian Pierce. The rookie hype is certainly getting up there for a guy who I believe signed on to the Patriots, or either was undrafted or a late pick. Seventh round pick. Seventh round. I was gonna say uh, it was late or undrafted, but at any rate, yeah. What What are your thoughts? Well, this guy's also very explosive, so I don't want to underplay what he you know he kind of brings to the table. We've seen Terrell Davis, the undrafted free agent, you know, run for two thousand yards. So it's always not about where you get drafted, and I don't think you believe that. But I think that one of the things that you know stands out to me is there's two things I'm kind of as you're alluding to. One, take this with a grain of salt. This is a Kansas City situation. We always hear about, you know, how long are we waiting for Josh Gordon to explode? How long will LaShawn McCoy going to explode? Le'Veon Bell is going to explode. We hear constantly about Jared McKinnon is going to explode. 
these other guys that every time somebody enters the Kansas City equation, the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, you know, uh, Wonderland in a sense, everybody wants to just go, kind of go crazy. I feel like you're seeing kind of we'll get to a team like this, like Buffalo, your offense is good, so therefore everybody's going to be awesome. And every news that comes out, every time they look good, they're going to be the guy. Um, having said all that, he is a very impressive guy when he put it on the tape. Explosive, a bigger guy for how explosive he is. Rutgers did not have a good offensive line um, against some games that they were definitely uh, inferior in. He ran his butt off, and he ran hard. He runs physical, and he's picking up all different things we're talking about in camp. He's able to run up in different places on the field. Yes, I think he absolutely is a threat to Ronald Jones's job. And I think that if Ronald Jones, who does not play special teams, doesn't kind of you know shine in some kind of way or make it you know crystal clear that he deserves to be that guy, why wouldn't you, if you're the Chiefs, not pay a guy two or three million dollars where you definitely could use some extra, you know, wiggle room to add another guy here or there, particularly on defense, possibly, or even maybe a receiver, <clears throat> OBJ. Um, but also on the flip side, adds explosive elements to your offense that you can move around. I'm hearing a lot of cream hunt comp. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid too much. So as you <laughs> kind of alluded to, it is Kansas City, as I kept saying, we've heard about guys go back as Niles Davis back in the day. Kansas City considers to have that backfield guy that you have to have, but we've seen them typically the studs have been studs. A lot of the other guys has kind of gotten a lot of hype, but haven't really materialized how you kind of wanted to. So I wouldn't go, you know, giving my whole draft up to get Pacheco, but I think he's a guy that you definitely have the value right now. Even if he's keeping up the board, still has enough value for me to take a shot on. And where I would definitely double down, you hear anything about Ronald Jones, he moves on. Um, yes, you definitely want to have a second back in this Kansas City backfield because you saw Darrell Williams have a great role last year, be effective even with CHE healthy. They both were able to eat. Um, you know, So CHE hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, so you, you're kind of banking on that part as well, just insurance. But having Pacheco also is the part where you can play him possibly as a flex option, as Darrell Williams kind of offered myself you know, towards the end of the season last year and CHE. So I think this is – you know, we, we know that the pass-catching guys – Receiving core are kind of still questionable. These backs definitely could be a big part of this offense, and Pacheco could definitely be a guy to kind of keep your eye on. The value hasn't gone too rich for my blood yet, but, you know, the hype might get to a point where it does, so just kind of keep your eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess the, the really intriguing thing about Pacheco in relation to some of those other guys, the, those other names you bring up, like the LaShawn McCoys, uh, some of those other running back names specifically, even Josh Gordon uh, at the receiver position, is that the hype for those kind of built up when that signing happened. I think it's all happened, though. Yeah. Go through, go through the running backs for the Kansas City for the last couple of years. That second oh, running back has gotten hyped. Whether, whatever the young guy, like I said, Darwin Thompson, I forget the other guy they had was a similar guy, real fast. And all we heard about was wait till he gets his chance. Sorry, Adam, I didn't cut you off. No, uh, agreed. But what I'm saying is, I guess, is that there's starting to be enough smoke around this one where I, I want, again, to an extent, this is still another calculated risk where there's a lot of hype and you don't want to go too overboard. But where he's at right now, I don't know if we're overboard yet because he is the one Um Patrick Mahomes in the preseason game played 11 snaps. Pacheco was on the field for some of those snaps. Ronald Jones was not. Um, That matters to me. Uh, We're seeing a lot of highlights of Pacheco playing well in the receiving game for a 6'1", 220 back. That matters to me for a guy that's big. So 
He's showing his receiving chops. He's playing with Mahomes or trusting him to pass protect for Mahomes um, already as a rookie in a preseason game where you're like, Andy Reid would get crucified if he let something happen to Patrick Mahomes in the preseason. So to trust, you know, a, a seventh round rookie with that, even if it is just for a couple snaps, I think that does speak some kind of volume. Uh, again, especially when you're not doing that with Ronald Jones, he definitely seems like he has that pathway to be that second back. And with how CEH has, you know, the last couple of years have con- gone for him, I'm, it's certainly his backfield until it isn't. Um, but he is in danger of if, you know, there's more injuries or if things keep popping up, um, you know, it could be almost that time. Yeah, and I definitely, like I alluded to, I think these are guys are both that you can kind of have in your team and not be worried about using both of them. I think they're kind yeah. of both have opportunities to eat. Whoever that second running back is, um, you know, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, we talked about our sleepers. Dan had, you know, Ronald Jones is one of his sleepers, and I think that could be, it's more that role. And as you kind of alluded to, Checo could be a cheaper, more explosive guy who can catch the ball. So you're going to have a choice between Ronald Jones and Jeremy McKinnon, and that's where I think that you might see Ronald Jones kind of get moved on from because – they need pass catchers and more weapons you can kind of versatility you can offer against City right now, I think isn't going to be welcomed. So yeah, I think this is definitely a chance that this to happen. And you made some great points. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move back up to our original list here. Um, we're going to look at the Seattle backfield. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about Kenneth Walker already. Uh, we were monitoring an injury with him. So definitely that's something to keep in mind throughout all of this. But otherwise, kind of what are your thoughts with with this backfield? Because I think this is one to me where I am worried about that that injury 100%. Um, more of a monitoring thing, but is it does it worry you a little bit? I think so. Um, however, I, I think we expected anyways for Rashad Penny to be the guy to start the season and for Kenneth Walker to kind of have a slow – takeover kind of what we saw with Javante last year where we we went into the season thinking at the very least okay Melvin Gordon's going to start with a 70-30 and Javante Williams is going to slowly seep into that to where now this year we're expecting that 60-40 in Javante's favor so I think that's kind of more what we're expecting with Kenneth Walker anyways where it, it was going to be Rashad Penny's to start the season Either he, A, would get hurt, or B, you'd start to slowly phase in Kenneth Walker as he shows how great of a runner he is. And he was arguably the best pure runner in this past draft class. Yeah, and the good thing for him, you know, where he was trending up was they was hearing good things about him in pass protection and catching the ball out of the backfield. And Pete Carroll, you know, saying he could be a three-down back. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this Seattle team does definitely usually has a, a pass-catching role with their backs, even Chris Carson, while he could catch the ball, usually you know, kind of tended to come up the field, whether it was for Rashad Petty at points, but DJ Dallas, um, Travis guys, JD McKissick, you know, that's why he has a job in Washington. Um, so they were always kind of looking different guys to kind of utilize in that passing attack. So it is something to kind of monitor. I tend to agree with you. It reminds me, you know, a lot of the Denver situation. And I don't know if that split ever kind of goes, you know, one way or another extreme. I think you're going to see you know, Pete Carroll and the Seattle offense make every effort to try to involve both of them. And I think a good comparison, you know, Sean Waldron comes from the Sean McVay tree in a sense in that Rams offense. And we saw when Todd Gurley moved on kind of that split backfield where you had Malcolm Brown and you had, you know, Henderson. Use those kind of guys we're hearing more about. We'll get to in a little bit about the Rams 
you know, they're kind of what they're doing with their backs. I think you might see that this is going to guys will have their roles. They might play maybe rotate series. Um, but I do think you're going to see both these guys on the field. And I think that's going to probably be, you know, closer to a 50 50 split or, or that Denver split, as you kind of alluded to. I don't know if any guy's going to kind of shine out as being the guy unless somebody gets hurt. But I think it doesn't really change that for me. Where I kind of agree with you was that, you know, Rashad Penny was probably going to be a guy that you could definitely have in your lineups early on and kind of see what happens after that. Um, and Walker to me was a guy you kind of were waiting to see what's your role going to be for sure, for sure. So now this, you know, this, this hernia thing, depending on how severe or how long it could be, shouldn't really change your plans. Walker to me could still be that, that you know, a playoff winner, as I kind of keep saying on the show. But sometimes you want that guy who's going to kind of hit his boom. Javante Williams, you know, hit his nice stride towards the end of the season last year and kind of carried people and that momentum kind of carried you to the playoffs. You might have Walker in a similar situation. So I still would, you know, buying Walker over Penny. So the guy I prefer to end, you know, own, but I definitely think it kind of solidifies that Rashad Penny probably has value. And you've seen this guy's ADP pretty far down, I think, where people just kind of, you know, just skip right over him. He could be a sneaky guy to have in your first six to eight weeks and maybe even the whole season. Melvin Gordon didn't, you know, didn't fall off the cliff last year. Yeah, absolutely. Rashad Penny, I think, will still have value. These are two guys that can coexist. We're running a little low on time here, though, so we want to run through um, these last few teams. Uh, next, we'll go hit the Bills really quick. Um, what do you think about the Bills situation? They've got kind of this these three backs. Obviously, it seems Zach Moss is going to be the guy that takes the complete back seat. Um, but do you think that there's anyone with fantasy viability in, in Buffalo at the running back spot? I am buying Devin Singletary at his ADP right now. Is it a guy, you know, finished really strongly towards the end of the year? I do think that his, his days are limited in the sense. We're hearing about Zach Moss becoming, you know, maybe involved again in this offense, God forbid. So you might have a trio. Um, Ken Dorsey had something similar when he was in Miami. They used a lot of running backs in Miami. The different guys had different roles. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do see all three guys. Plus, you know, we all know Josh Allen runs the ball. So for me, I love um, you know, kind of the value, like I said, of where he's Rita is as a guy that has a lot of upside potential and showing you you can do something. I'm not a big buyer on Cook yet. I know the hype isn't kind of met the reality for me yet still. Um, talk about a quarterback who doesn't check the ball down very often. Um, I got to see Josh Allen check the ball down, first of all, and I got to see James Cook kind of where he falls on his food chain. I think the idea sounds greater than the actual reality on the field. And Zach Moss, you know, I'm not going to get burned by taking him, but it is the guy that I'll be monitoring because if he gets that short yardage situation and he can catch the ball, I kind of alluded to these guys who can kind of do a little bit of everything are usually the guys who I like to kind of, you know, get my hands on. Um, so that's a guy I'll be monitoring. All right, we'll move on to that next field, next backfield. You alluded to the Miami Dolphins back in the day uh, with Dorsey. Now that they have a backfield uh, kind of situation blooming of their own, uh, the predominant names here are Mostert and Edmonds, but Michelle is only kind of peeking around the corner as well. Uh, so, what do you make of this situation? I know that I definitely want my hands on a Chase Edmonds right now, but Mostert's really interesting too in his own right. I totally agree. It was Miami Hurricanes, just to clarify, wasn't the Dolphins that Ken Dorsey yeah. was on. Um, but yes, in the Miami area, I, yeah, I to me, I'm buying Chase Edmonds all day, every day. The other guys, I think, are sneaky. They have good ADP value. Whatever you kind of pick your preference, I lean towards Moser because he's shown that he's been effective. He's healthy. He uses guys really been great in this offense, even just in that early you know one-two down role. He can be you know good enough getting 15 carries because he's so explosive that he can make it worth it. 
So that's the guy I'm kind of watching. I like Sonny Michelle. I've been a big fan of Sonny Michelle. I just feel like it, where he kind of falls in the offense is going to be kind of, you know, will he get a, a short yardage role? Will he kind of get a red zone guy? I don't know. But I know Mostert's been in the offense, knows the coaching staff. So I'm going to lean towards Mostert as that flyer I would take. But Edmonds is the guy that I, most, I prefer in that back. All right. Yeah, I, I tend to agree um, on kind of that hierarchy there. I really wish, uh, to be honest with you, that Michelle ended up somewhere better. Uh, Michelle, the former Patriot, let's move to New England. Uh, what do you think about this situation um, with Ramondre Stevenson kind of being this guy that's building a lot of hype right now? Um, you talked briefly, and I, I don't think that there's anything that's really come out of it. And I don't think that there will be anything to come out of it that got to a point where there were rumors of a Damian Harris trade. Um, however, on the flip side, while today Bill Belichick said something about um, they really liked what Ramondre Stevenson was doing and thought that he could be a great third down back and that, you know, he was really good in that role. However, you're also still seeing uh, in two minute drills at practice, same day that Bill Belichick says that, that uh, Ty Montgomery is coming in and playing that role, they really like that they can, you know, uh, motion him out to wide receiver if they need to. So what do you make of, of this situation? Ramondre Stevenson, so, someone that this show as a whole kind of was really high on coming into the league. He showed a lot of talent last year. Um, so, again, what, do you, what are your thoughts with Ramondre? Yeah, I'm still buying Ramondre. This guy didn't have any, any official role last year. It started becoming productive as the season progressed. He had a nice four-game stretch there where I think that he's going to be a, a decent flex option, if nothing less. Um, but I think he has a pathway to be an RP2 potential, definitely an RP3 potential, um, a guy that's involved in the passing attack and running attack. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the primary pass catcher, as you're kind of alluding to. I think that in situations where you want to kind of get mismatches, the James White as a role will kind of will say it is, um, that guy who can beat the linebacker over and over again, kind of get the mismatch, I can move you out here, I can move you over there. You know, he's not doing that, so I can see why Montgomery still has a role. But it isn't like Ramondre Stevenson has to come down every third down. Where third and five, he can't be out in the field. To me, the closest comparison you've kind of seen, you know, for Patriots most recent would be that Rex Burkhead, Burkhead guy we were talking about earlier. Um, the guy who kind of did a little bit of everything for him. He scored in the red zone, can catch the ball. So I think Ramondre Stevenson is the guy that I like the upside for. I think the coaching staffs are excited about what he can do. I'm not too worried about Montgomery stealing, you know, too many of his catches. In a sense, I do agree that I don't think he's going to be the guy always out there on second, you know, on two-minute drills or four-minute drills. There could be Montgomery time. There could be depending on what matchups they're having or game. Um, you know, we see the Patriots kind of match up against their opponents. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, locked in on Roger Stevens is always going to be that pass-catching guy. But I think you're going to get enough of everything for a guy who's just, you know, a tremendous runner. I keep talking about the pass-catching part, but great runner, great physical guy. And I talked about, you know, weather. New England's not warm as the season progresses. So having a guy who can be physical and big, I definitely think is a guy you want to have on your team. But just real quick, Adam, Amy Harris, look, everybody keeps talking about regression, what guys can't do from what they did last year. Totally agree. Not going to score 16 touchdowns. So if he scores 8 or 10, the ADP he's at right now, why not have him on your roster? Amy Harris should not be forgotten about. You talked about some of the things that have been coming out in you know, Patriot camp. One of the things that have been coming out is Pierre Strong is not looking good. Some of the other guys aren't looking good. So, Demi Harris, if he's not traded, has a role in this offense, is good. Guy averaging over five yards per carry isn't, you know, isn't chop liver out there. So, I think he's gotten kind of just a bum rap and kind of forgotten about as the hype kind of swept up Ron Stevenson. But I'm buying both those guys. Yeah. 
100% agreed. We have one more team here. I think another situation where buying both the guys might be interesting, at least because of the potential role of one of them. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be our last team to kind of um, wrap this one up with, at least in PPR, I think ETN makes a lot of sense. James Robinson, the the comeback is looking pretty good. He was in uh, seven on seven drills today, running some routes, uh, taking a couple carries again in seven, seven, seven. So nothing uh, crazy. It's not like he was getting tackled or anything like that. Um, but it looks like at least you'll see him early in the season, probably not the preseason, he might not make it back for week one, but I think you'll see him kind of on that uh, Zach Wilson timetable, if you will. Yeah, I don't know what James Robinson's EDP is. I believe last time I saw it was like below the 40s. Um, get your hands. You're hoping your league draft sooner than later because James Robinson is a guy that the values is there. We take a lot of different shots about Damien Pierce taking different shots on guys. James Robinson's absolutely a guy to throw your dart at if you can get your hands on him and later on your rounds. Because he can and has shown you he could be an RB1. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the key with him. Um, you know, I, I've said this a million times this show throughout the offseason. I, I can't discount a guy who has shown high ability and high production on an offense when the offense is bad. Like, it's hard to be a productive running back on a bad offense. So when someone can do that, it's like, okay, like you're, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> you know, you may not be some stud, but you're at least pretty good. Like you're not, you certainly have something here. So if he's able to continue kind of his current progression with this comeback, definitely a guy that you're going to want to have on your team at current ADP. Now, Chris, I think that'll wrap us up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, what's what's the schedule for the Belly Up MDFF show uh, this week? I know you have a you have a show coming out tomorrow, right? A pre-recorded one, we perhaps. Do. We'll be doing some mock drafting, so you can catch us doing our mock drafting. You know, we kind of talked about the expo, the drafts that we've just made. So we're going to kind of share some of our knowledge and some of our our, our takes, the picks that we have. Um, we have different people joining us on our draft, so I'm super excited to do this and kind of share you know different people's perspective of what you do wherever you're falling as we get into draft season. Cool. And uh, when are you getting back into your, your full swing of things schedule for the regular season? Will that just be week one? Are you getting a little build-up period? Kind of what's your... Yeah, so we'll start kind of picking up the more and more episodes. You're going to start seeing it three times a week. Then you're going to start seeing it increasing as the season kind of progresses, as you kind of you know alluded to when the season kickoff. We'll have our, our wrap-ups. We'll have our previews. So that's definitely going to expand our show. And then we'll start also doing DFS on Fridays again where we'll be giving you DFS, you know, insight and also betting. Um, we have our, you know, Chaz is going to be rejoining us again, giving us some, you guys some tips of what you were to kind of do for your drafts, DFS, and also for, like I said, betting. So, yeah, we're have definitely ramping up the show, a lot more to come, and hope everybody tunes in and checks us out. Yeah, awesome. Definitely have to tune in once it gets a little closer to the season, make some money with you guys on the, the betting DFS side and everything else of course i'm sure that mock draft will be great um we are still taking signups for the belly up bowl we had a great time uh kind of showing uh some guys that or some people that uh at the fantasy football expo so go check out the belly up fantasy there's a little tab it's right next to the home tab for belly up bowl 
Um, the website's been completely reworked. It's so much cleaner now. Um, so shout out to everyone for helping with that. Uh, but with that, it'll be really easy to go over, sign up for the Belly Up Bowl. Um, it's with Alex's Lemonade Span. We're helping to fight childhood cancer. Uh, it's the third consecutive year of the Belly Up Bowl. Through two seasons, they've raised around $2,400. We're closing in on um, on how many players we have from last year. So hopefully we're able to do um, hopefully we're able to do you know a little bit better than last year. That would be really awesome. So make sure to go join to that. Um, yeah, thank you so much again for tuning in. We will see you here pretty soon. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.